This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, aging, forgiveness, and finally, death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was the student. I found out a lot of things about marriage and its importance. First of all, you get tested very fully in a, ma a marriage relationship. You find out a lot about you are, who the other person is, and how you come accommodate, don't accommodate. Hi, I'm Mitch Album, and that was the voice of Maury Schwartz, my old college professor, and you are listening to Tuesday People, a podcast based on the time I spent with Maury Schwartz that turned into the book Tuesdays with Maury, that has turned into something that I never imagined when I wrote the book, uh, and has been received around the world now, and a quarter of a century later, revisiting those lessons every Tuesday and seeing how they make sense now to an older student and all of our listeners out there. We welcome you. Alongside is our producer and my friend, Lisa Goich. Lisa? Hello there, Mitch. Today, we're going to talk about marriage. And this is a big topic, and this is going to be a popular podcast, I'm sure, because marriage remains an issue for people who are considering it, people who are in the middle of it, and people who are done with it. <laughs> it's, it's just something right. that surrounds us all the time. And of course, seen through the light of one's dying days, and that was when I was visiting Maury Schwartz in his last months of his life, a marriage takes on, I think, a much different uh, perspective and significance than perhaps when everything is going along hunky-dory and you're young and, and rolling and small problems seem like big problems until you really have a big problem. So I found Maury's perspective on marriage to be particularly valuable. And it was interesting that when I went to visit Maury, I was myself just in the process of getting married. And that was after uh, dating my wife for seven short years because I was one of those people who uh, needed a long time to be convinced that marriage was right for me. We did not get married until our late 30s, and that was more me than it was her. But I'm happy to say that I remain happily married 
right now to this day, uh, now 25 years later. Uh, and so maybe waiting was the right thing to do. And maybe Maury's wisdom and advice uh, helped me out. And so I certainly want to share that with you right now. Now, we are in a time, Lisa, where about half of the marriages that uh, get started break up. Some recent statistics on marriage show that actually divorce rate is dropping a little bit, but so is the marriage rate. Like people are not getting married as much as they did. Mm. A lot of people mm-hmm. are living together or just choose not to get married at all. And and then when they do get married, they're getting married later, and some of these marriages are lasting longer. However, I think if you're still at a point where nearly half the marriages break up, then you got a problem. You have an issue. And I don't think that people go into marriage all the time with the, uh, with the right ingredients. So let me start with something that Maury told me in 1995, and you'll see how pertinent it is still to this day about people who get married for the wrong reasons or maybe too young and the bad fate that that ends up leading to. Now, the poor kids that get divorced, I think they're, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know why they got married in the first place. They haven't figured out what they want from a partner. They don't know who they are. So who's marrying whom? If you don't know who you are, how do you know who's marrying the other person? Mm. And that's what happens. There's so much immaturity that people just wander into a marriage because it's a thing to do, it's exciting. And then six months later they discover it's the wrong thing. It's sad, but that's what's happening. Now that could be a comment that Maury made this morning. I mean, it's still valid today with divorce rate being as high as it is. And he said a couple things in there that are important, particularly, Lisa, to me, the word maturity. Mm -hmm. Marriage is not, and you and I are both married, not to each other. uh, (laughs) Marriage is not something to go into with immaturity. Marriage requires maturity. It is almost hand in hand. There's a reason that the two words probably sound kind of close to one another, because immature people, one of the traits of immaturity is to think about yourself first and to think only about your own needs. That's what children do, right? A child doesn't consider the world around him or her. A child says, I'm hungry. I want my food. I I, I want to play. I want my toy. Uh, I want this now. I want this now. I want this now. That's immaturity. You cannot go into a marriage with that kind of attitude, or it will not last, or it will be a disaster. Uh, because that is true. Yeah, right from the get-go, the whole idea of marriage is that, all right, we're changing the numbers, changing the numbers. And I think if you're going to ask yourself, should I get married or should I not get married? The first thing you have to do is, are you comfortable with a new number? What do I mean by that? Before you get married, there's one number, one That's how many you are. That's who you tend to take care of. The number is one. You get up in the morning. How many people do I have to take care of right now? And I'm not talking about people who are burdened with handling their families or economic situations. What I'm talking about people who are on their own. One, I concern myself with when I get up. I concern myself with when I eat. I concern myself with when I want to brush my teeth, what temperature I like the room at, when am I going to go do something or not. Uh, when am I going to take a shower or not? Uh, what, who am I going to go see socially or not? When am I? How hard am I going to work or not? One, the number is one. 
As yep. soon as you get married, the number becomes two. If you choose to have children, the number becomes three and four and five. And one thing that you can say for sure that never reverts is the numbers. You don't get to go back to one. So if you are immature and you say, I want the world to be about one, you are not a good candidate for marriage. You've got to be open to a different number. You have to start thinking about the world as two, the two of us, what the two of us are going to do, what the other person is going to do or want or need. How can I be good for the other person? What, where do we go? We becomes the word, not I, we, we, we. And if you're not comfortable with we, you should not get married. Maury listed off a number of things that he found in one of my conversations with him about you know, what it takes to have a good marriage. So he, he listed four things, just rat-a-tat-tat in a conversation. So I'm going to play some of these, and let's talk about some of these, Lisa, in terms of how important they are as to whether you should or should not get married, whether you are or are not ready to be married, or whether you are or are not bringing the right ingredients to your marriage. So here's number one. You find out, first of all, if you don't respect that other person, basically... You're going to have a lot of trouble. This is a very wise warning. Respect in a marriage, I think, is highly underrated. I don't think people talk about it enough. They, I think it's in the vows somewhere. I, 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 I vow to love, honor, and respect you. Is that kind of the order that it usually goes? But those you are see, kind of those. respect yeah, is like is, is third. <laughs> it needs <laughs> it needs to be. Uh, Moved up the list. Now, nothing is more important than love, obviously, but respect should be held on the same level because you, you can love somebody and not respect them. And it's not going to work as a marriage. In other words, you may love the way someone looks, the way someone makes you feel when they smile at you. Uh, you may love having that person around. You may love the way that people look at the two of you, uh, maybe you're both good looking and uh, one's better looking than the other and you're, you're lifted up by that. But these things are not respect. And if you don't respect the other person, you will invariably find yourself arguing, dismissing what the other person says, and mm -hmm. you will be headed towards a rocky marriage and perhaps even divorce. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What? As a married person, Lisa, what does respect in a marriage mean to you? How, do, how would you define that in terms of what you, how, how it manifests itself in the actual marriage? Well, I think what you just said is so true because I know that I tend to do this. I, I respect my husband a lot, correct? But sometimes I find myself maybe dismissing him publicly or something like that. If we're in a conversation and he'll say something and I'm like, that's not right or whatever. I have to catch myself and stop myself from doing those things. I think when you have total respect for somebody, you would treat them like if you 
had the Pope sitting with you at dinner. I mean, you know, right. um, always treat them as if you would treat a stranger. Do you know, once you yeah. get a certain familiarity in a relationship, I think some of those walls come down and you have to always remember to treat that person like you would be treating somebody that you barely know. You wouldn't be crashing through those walls in public. You wouldn't be saying certain things to some people. Much right. like you don't talk to your the people you work with, you don't often talk to them the same way that you would talk to that person who's closest to you at home. Right. So, And you bring up something I think that's really important. And, and, and I think we should split respect into two pieces here. And it's a good way to look at it. First, and what you're talking about, respect on the outside. So mm-hmm. when you are in public, when you are with your spouse, I see so many people who you go out to dinner and the husband or the wife refers to, first of all, they run their husband or wife down in front of other people and they say things like, this one, <laughs> this one won't even get into the shower. This one leaves the towels everywhere. This one I got to get, in order to get him to eat anything, I got to do. It's very, very disrespectful. And it really it, is. It's it, it's part of that phrase, familiarity breeds contempt. I would add familiarity breeds lack of respect when it comes to marriage. Mm-hmm. And I always say this is not a good marriage when I see people in public running each other down. And what it does is it's sort of, it's almost like they're trying to validate with the other people that they're with. Like, can, can you see I'm stuck in this marriage with this person? I, it's as if they're wearing a shirt, I'm with stupid the whole time. And, and they're almost seeking the other people to laugh with them or to agree with them as if they're commiserating. So what you're really doing by doing that is you're taking your unhappiness in your marriage and seeking other people to sort of say, yeah, tell me that I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm the right one here, right? I'm stuck with him or I'm stuck with her. That is not respect. That is not going to get you a solution to your problems. It's only going to make matters worse because think of it from the other person's perspective. If, if you bring up that your husband uh, leaves towels all over the, the, the bathroom or, uh, eats like a pig, no matter, even though he's gained 50 pounds, he's still eating chocolate cake or things like, do you think that when you get back home, having aired that grievance to the couple that was sitting across from you or at that party or whatever it was, that things are going to be better? Do you think things are going to be better when you get home? He's going right back no. for that chocolate cake. He's probably doing it because he feels frustrated that he's married to someone who's running him down as a result of it. So public respect is extremely important. And you're so right, Lisa. You should treat your husband or your wife as if you're on your second date and you're meeting mm-hmm. somebody else. Not, oh, well, we're, you know, I, he knows what I mean. He, don't assume that. These little daggers that people stick into one another as married people when out in public really, really hurt. And it does not reflect well on you to show such disrespect to other people. Yeah, they may be across from you and laughing with you or whatever. When they go home, they say, man, I feel sorry for Jim and the way that uh, his wife ran him down. Or I feel sorry for Betty, the way that her husband you know, said that. In front. Can you believe they said that in front of me? So public respect. It's very, very important. Now, the second half of that, private respect. Now, to me, when we're talking about respect in a marriage on the private side, what that means is you have to take into account what the other person wants and needs, despite the fact that it might run absolutely contrary to you. 
This is in small matters, like how hot do you want to have the room, or uh, who gets to shower first, or uh, you know, are we are we going to the nice restaurant or the fast restaurant, all the way to children, mm-hmm. careers, where you're going to live, major major decisions. If you don't respect the other person's opinion, if you go into the marriage and say, "Well, I'm." doing her a favor, or I'm doing him a favor by sort of being in this marriage, if that's how you're kind of telling yourself, she was lucky to get me, or he was lucky to get me, you don't have respect, and you it will crumble. I'm not saying you'll end up divorced. Divorce is a decision that people make, but I am saying it will not be a happy marriage. Maury was absolutely right. You have to respect the other person's desires, plans. You have to think as two, not one. And so if you want to live in the Pacific Northwest, but your husband or wife says, I can't live there, I I have to live in the city, you can't just say, well, tough, we're going. It's my job, we're going. That breeds a lack of respect that will ultimately come back and bite you within a marriage. Yeah, that's true. And that's where, I mean, because you're going to have disagreements in relationships. You're not always going to agree on everything. I like chocolate ice cream, you like vanilla ice cream, you know which one should we buy, you know, and that's where compromise comes in, which I know, yeah. I believe we're going to be talking about as well. That's but right. it respect begets compromise. And you have to sometimes put your own wishes aside in order to respect those of your partner. And again, I know I'm guilty of sometimes not doing that. And well, you, you raise that here's Maury's second point. Secondly, if you don't know how to compromise in a relationship, we're going to have a lot of trouble. So this is exactly what you just said, Lisa. Compromise is the next step because when you respect somebody, you will compromise. So you have to you have to allow for making adjustments. This is what I meant before about the one becomes two. And when two becomes three and four and five and you're a family, there's even more compromises to make. If you are not willing to compromise, if you are a person who says, I know I'm right, I'm confident in myself, my decisions are always correct. Fine. Don't get married because you're right. going to have a, you're going to have a, you're going to make life miserable for somebody else and you're going to have a miserable time because you're always going to say, but can't you see it my way? Can't you see it my way? I'm right. Don't you understand why I'm right? Compromise does not mean that you get to be right all the time. And as long as you're right, you win. Sometimes you're right and you still have to lose. That's what compromise means. Right. That's true. And people who say, well, I'll compromise all the time, but it has to make sense. Mm, That's not a compromise. Warning. Because many people feel that they are just right. It's something that it's a nice trait to have. They're confident about themselves, but they just have a hard time feeling that what they feel is wrong and what the other person feels is right. They just have a hard time with that. Now, that's all right. Most people are directed by their inner voice, right? Their instinct, what tells them what to do. And they just know I'm right. I know I'm right. It's all right for you to know that you're right. It's all right for you to feel that you're right. That's probably not going to change if you get married. But what must change is that you have to be able to say, I'm right, and yet we're going to do it your way. Mm -hmm. You cannot say, as long as I agree with what you 
feel or say, then I'll do it. I'll compromise. I'll compromise. Just, you just have to be right. No, it does, that's not a compromise because you can always say you feel right. Right. And I think that, well, this, this brings up a question. So when you meet somebody, should you find somebody who is a lot like you? Do you think that that will help with compromise and respect down the road? Or, you know, when people say, well, it's good to bring two different people into a relationship because you enrich each other's lives and that sort of thing. I sometimes think that can cause a little more trouble. Right. You know, the opposites like, attract and what, thing. Yeah. And when the you see people, that. for instance, of two different political parties who both feel strongly about their thing. Um, I had a girlfriend once that say, oh, well, well, that said, well, it shouldn't matter, you know, if your husband's a Republican or a Democrat or, you know, and I think, wow, especially in days like today where it's so heated, I can't even imagine how couples like that, if they both feel strongly about something, can reach any sort of compromise. Well, and- you know, they used that example uh, a number of years ago, James Carville and Mary Madeline, who, yes. who were married and they were opposite sides. And they they were held up on a national scale. Like, you see, he can be married and be yes. an opposite party. I don't know if that worked or didn't work. I, I wasn't involved in their marriage. But as a general rule, I agree with you. General rule, not not really a good idea. We're going to talk about that in a second because that's that's actually a, a a fourth thing that Maury brought up. Before we do that, let me bring up the third one because this, I think, is pertinent to what we're talking about as well. Thirdly, if you can't talk openly about what goes on between you, you continue to have trouble. So this sort of addresses what you're talking about in that, all right, you've got to be able to, to, to speak. You've got to be able to talk openly about all these things. This is a major, major part of what portends for a successful marriage. If you are in a relationship now where you kind of feel like, well, he doesn't really say a whole lot or he doesn't really communicate with me or she doesn't really talk about her feelings or she kind of shuts down when I bring up these topics, that is a red flag. That is a red flag for marriage. I will, I will say that as someone who's been married for 25 years, whose parents were married for 60 plus years, the absolute key to surviving tough times or disagreements is the ability to communicate. When people shut down and when people go off into a room and just close down or whatever, it is just not a good formula for a marriage. It's also, by the way, mm-hmm. not a good example for your children. And children who grow up in households where one party, the one parent yells at the other one, the other one shuts down, becomes a turtle and disappears into the other room, will tend to grow up thinking that that is the way that relationships go. And that's not healthy. You must communicate with one another. You must talk about the things that bother you or that you have your differences. And if you can talk about those differences, like I'm sure James Carville and Mary Madeline, I guess they talked a lot about their differences and apparently they were able to work them out by speaking about them. But if you just harbor some inner feeling about, boy, I really don't like when he does that. I really don't like when she does that. And you don't say anything about it. That will build up like plaque on teeth and and eventually will overcome the good emotion that got you married in the first place. So he's so right. Communication Talk openly about what goes on between you must be an integral part of any good marriage. That's true. And because you will explode if you keep all that stuff inside because, you know, your 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 brain just sort of, you know, keeps piling it on and piling it on and piling it on. And I always think that, too. And I see couples who don't fight at all. And I don't mean fight like 
you know, duking it out. I just mean who don't have arguments, who always seem to be perfect. I often think somewhere, hmm, is there a lot building up inside of them? A ticking because, time bomb somewhere. Yeah. Both my husband and I, he's Greek. I'm, you know, my, my family's from Yugoslavia. We're both, rah, you know, we're, we're both very passionate about our everything we think about, you know, and, and, and we, and we speak like that and we talk like that and we talk things out with each other. I can't imagine keeping all that stuff inside because you know that it just boils and boils right. and boils up till it just, right. you know, So don't confuse bam. what we talked about before. Don't confuse respect with silence. That's important. Don't confuse mm -hmm. respect with silence. Respect is respecting your partner enough that they will accept what you say, may not agree with what you say, but will listen to what you say. Respect is not silence. This is, there's an old expression, you know, you have not converted a man because you've silenced him. And applied to a marriage, it's the same thing. If you browbeat your spouse into silence, that's not compromise. That's not respect. That's fear. That's fear. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's a reticence to say, I don't want to disagree with my husband or I don't want to disagree with my wife because we're just going to get into it. I don't want to get into it. So I'll just keep quiet. That's not a good marriage. That's not a formula for a good marriage. And you may, on the outside, people may say, oh, they never fight. They never argue with one. That doesn't mean everything's all great. You should not silence your partner. And so part of talking openly about it is encouraging the other person to say, hey, you can talk to me about this. It's okay. I know that we have different takes on this particular thing, but talk to me. Tell me. I, I love you. I'm here for you. Tell me what it is that, that is on your mind. I can't, I sometimes find myself when, if I'm having a, a discussion with my wife when I don't have the information, I, I, I use the last, I can't read your mind. I wish I could, you know, but I can't. Right. <laughs> Please just tell me I can't read your mind. And, you know, usually she does. And, and so that's important that you listen to the other person, but you encourage the other person to speak. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number. Thousands of people try to call. You talk to one of them. They stay anonymous. I can't hang up. That's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. And here's the fourth thing that Maury pointed out. And fourthly, if you don't have a common sort of foundation for agreeing on the values in life, you're going to have a lot of trouble, especially if you have sharp disagreements about how to raise kids and what have you. So this, Lisa, goes back to what you had brought up a couple of minutes ago about the fundamentals, the fundamentals about values in life. And there are certain things, look, people can be from different religions and be happily married. Certainly people can come from different ethnic backgrounds, different racial backgrounds and be happily married. I suppose people can come from different political backgrounds and depending on how political they really are, can be happily married, but certain values in life, how you're going to raise your children, what you're going to teach your children about. I think faith is a very important one. I, I think it's it's mm -hmm. tough for people 
Now, I, I, I'm in a marriage, or I'm of one faith, and my wife is of another faith, but I remember when we were talking about this, when we were, and, and this, is, this is an integral point, and I respect people who say you should be of the same faith if you're going to get married. I absolutely respect that. Even though I'm not in, in, in a marriage like that, I respect people who say, I understand if it's that critical to you that the fundamentals of your faith or your religion are who you are then you should recognize that you need somebody who believes the same thing. Don't try to change the person. Don't try to get into something and say, okay, then I'll fix them. I'll make them different. I'll make them. That's not going to work. I'll convert them. That's not going to work. You sort of need to understand who the people are at the beginning and not talk about, you know, uh, okay, I want them differently. So faith can be one of those things that if you are really hardcore and, 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 and intractable on that, that's important. But what we talked about, was, and I, I found it very interesting uh, when we were going through this process, that what was most important to us was that there was faith. It wasn't which faith, mm. but that mm-hmm. there was faith. So I think yeah. someone who believes in God and someone who does not believe in God, any God, that's a tough relationship. That's a core yeah. value. That's going to always be difficult because when time comes, when there's trouble, and one party wants to turn to God and 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 say help help us and the other party says there's no such thing as god you've got a real fundamental moment there that's going to make a marriage tough so i think that that's a very important element of it how your kids are going to be raised what values you're going to put in your kids that's a really important element that you will fight over money and its significance in your relationship that's a very important mm-hmm. thing. What, what, what do they always say that couples fight the most over when they're married? Money and children. Money yeah. and children. It's, it, and so you at least have to have a philosophy of it. In other words, one of you should not be thinking a happy life is when we finally make a million dollars a year. And the other one thinks a happy life is when I'm content and there's a fireplace and we have, you know, we're around one another and we're, we're, we're playing board games. Right. There's going to be a problem. If you don't have that same sort of fundamental understanding about how important money is in your life uh, and whether you want kids or don't want kids, that's a very, very important thing to establish early on because that can always become an issue. And and heaven forbid you're bringing kids in and one member of the marriage really doesn't want kids. Now Now the kids will feel that. And eventually you blurt out some sentence like, I never wanted kids anyhow, you know, and now you've scarred your kids for life. That's that's a fundamental. So I think he's absolutely right about that fourth point, too. You've got to have a foundation for agreeing on the values of life. Now, there was a there was a, a fifth point that we talked about that I don't have the actual tape sound from, but it's something that I think is absolutely critical. And when when I talk to young people about marriage, and I have a lot of nieces and nephews who have either gotten married or contemplating marriage or, or things like that. And now, of course, we've got a lot of... Uh, young people at the orphanage that we operate to have Faith Haiti Orphanage in, in Port-au-Prince. And some of them are getting to the age there where they're asking about relationships and asking about what makes a marriage and all the rest. I always, I always liken it to, and I explain it this way, there are three parties in a marriage. There's the husband, the wife, and forgive me if I'm using conventional terms, it can be husband and husband, it can be wife and wife, it can be however you want, but there are three parties, all right? Party one, party two, and the marriage itself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Party one, party two, and the marriage itself. Understand what I mean by that. Sometimes 
you're going to really love your husband, and sometimes you're really going to hate him. Sometimes you're really going to love your wife, and sometimes you're really going to hate her. But what you can survive doing that if, at all times, you love your marriage. That's the Mm. third party. And as long as you love your marriage, as long as you recognize that being together and what you've built is valuable and precious and you don't want to lose that, you will be able to survive the bumps and the lifts and the and the drops of the road that come with every marriage. I always say that my, my wife and I have a wall in our kitchen of photos and it's just it's grown. It started small and it grew and it grew and it grew. And pretty soon we had to accommodate. We had to move over. We had to dig another wall. All photos <laughs> of, of, of us, of us with the people that we love, of things we did, our, our wedding or things. That, and the, the picture, the wall just gets get bigger as you get older. And I always say that I can be mad at her. She can be mad at me, but I'm never mad at that wall. And, and whenever mm-hmm. I go and I stare at that wall and I see the photographic evidence of what we have built, I can never get too upset. You know, I can never take a fight too far. I don't want to lose that. That's what's precious to me is that wall full mm. of photos, which is the marriage and is what you, so, so sometimes you know, there's a famous Billy Joel song. You can, you can love a girl a lot or you can love a boy a lot, but you won't like them all the time. And that's just true. Mm-hmm. People get on each other's nerves. Uh, people have habits. Uh, familiarity come t- sometimes breeds a lot of things, including like uh, he snores, uh, the, uh, the way he dresses, the way she makes that snide comment, whatever. I mean, people aren't perfect. But if you love being married and you love what you have created and you look back on that as every day you put into your marriage is like a, a deposit in the bank and you have more and more time together with it, if you can love your marriage as that third party, then you will be able to survive a lot of the relationship things that will throw you. We have this emphasis in this country on relationship, relationship. It's so important, relationship, and relationship has to be perfect this and perfect that, perfect that. But relationship is one thing. Marriage is something else. Dating somebody for a stretch of time is different than making a lifelong commitment to somebody. And when you you try to take the rules of a relationship and apply them into a marriage, you are not accounting for that third party, that third party being the marriage. Otherwise, dating and marriage would be exactly the same. You know, you'd stay married only long enough until someone else came along that interested you more and you'd move on, which by the way, a lot of people do. But it shouldn't be the same. There should be different rules for when you get married. And that's one of them. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful Anonymous. Well, I know at the beginning you were saying that, you know, you had been together for seven years or something before you got married. I, too, was with my husband for a long time before we got married. And I think one of those things is, I mean, I think that's a very important thing. I think you really need to be sure that you want to have that marriage. You know, it's a lot of people kind of put an emphasis on the wedding. You know what I mean? They want to have a wedding. And they don't think beyond that day. They don't right. think about all the trials and tribulations and 
problems and things and arguments and, you know, if somebody gets sick, for God's sake, you right. know, or, or whenever, God forbid, um, you those things are in your vows, you know, for their sickness and in health. But what does that really mean? I mean, that's, that's right. something that you really need to talk out before marriage. Are you willing to take care of that person and help them? And, you know, as you always say about Maury, you know, help them get the phlegm up out of right. their chest. Interesting. I, there's a cut right here that I want to share with you exactly about that. So indeed, I think the family becomes even more critical in these times. And you can see it especially when you're not well. I mean, friends are great, but they're not going to be here, you know, on a night when I'm coughing and can't go to sleep and somebody has to sit sit up with you and, you know, comfort you or try to be uh, helpful in one way or another. Yeah, and that person's going to be your spouse, first and foremost. And you're right, Lisa, when you're going to marry somebody, don't think about how great we're going to look in the wedding photos. Ask yourself, if we're in a doctor's office and the doctor says, I have some bad news, you have fill in the blank and it is a terminal illness, are you going to be alongside your spouse for that run? And are, is it going to hurt you as much as it hurts them? And are you going to say, well, I'm going to do everything I can to make life good for my partner? Because more often than not, those kinds of tests will dot your marriage. Heaven forbid it's something terminal like that or well, but there are many little ones along the way. It's not the wedding photo. It isn't the caterer or it is it isn't the <laughs> first dance. It isn't the romance. That's why these reality shows are such ridiculous fantasies about it. They're all oh, about the, the all about the first moments of a relationship and nothing about nothing about what happens later. I remember a, a psychologist once told me in relationships, there's nothing like a new car smell. You know, there, there, there's a reason that <laughs> right. cars smell smell a certain way only at the beginning, you know, and you can't fall in love with a new car smell because it doesn't work like that. And you can't fall in love with the wedding because the wedding is not the marriage. That's true. And that also when you were just saying earlier, continues into the children too, because now you're bringing in your other part of your relationship. When children get sick, mm-hmm. uh, when you know, like you, you know, faced with with Chica, you know, you've got the couple, you, your wife, and now you have a child who brings another thing into this right. marriage, and how each of you react to that also becomes a bigger picture of that marriage. And those are all things you have to think about. You can you can brush over them in your head all you want before you get married, but you really need to think about what is going to happen at that time. Right. And by the way, uh, some of it is just a leap of faith. In the end, you kind of jump the broom together and then you see where it takes you. And there was an interesting exchange I came upon in these tapes between Maury and me. And you can hear me as a, as a newlywed Asking like, well, so this is going to last, right? And Maury being the wise man, uh, you know, deferring. Listen. So what you can do is use your intuition and see what that tells you. Mm-hmm. Well, what if your intuition tells you that, you're, that you love a person, but when does intuition come into telling you that you're supposed to marry that person? You can love a lot of people in your lifetime. Men can love a lot of women and feel a strong bond to them. Women can love a lot of men. What's the thing that pushes you over the top that says, well, not only do I love this one, but, you know, I want to commit to it. I to be with her yeah. the rest of the time. Yeah. That's it. You feel it. Yeah. What if you just feel it and then... Uh, 
few years later you don't feel it. That's too bad. <laughs> That's too bad. <laughs> That's I bet I don't have the answer. You're supposed to have the answers for everything. So he didn't have the answer for everything. And we don't have the answer for everything. But I think today we've talked about a lot of the uh, red flags and a lot of the needed ingredients to make the stew of a good marriage. And I, I think if you touch on those five different points that we've talked about, if you can check those off in your own personal list, if you can say, you can accommodate the other person, you respect the other person, you can compromise with the other person, you can talk openly with the other person, you have a common foundation of values, and amongst those values is the value of your marriage itself, I think you're well on your way to having the blueprint for enjoying marriage and having a great marriage. And by the way, you know, uh, as, as Maury said when we kind of wrapped up the whole subject, Marriage is the most intimate relation you can have if it works. So I think it's a very important thing to do, and you're missing a hell of a lot if you don't. And I agree with him. We may have dissected it quite a bit here in this podcast, and I don't mean to make it so clinical, but it is a a beautiful, wonderful, magnificent, and nothing else like it relationship if a marriage works. And, you know, ideally, there's a reason that people say they just want to be married once because it's unique. And so it is well worth it, well worth the effort, well worth the compromises, well worth the thinking that you have to put through. But you you want to make sure before you get married that you're making those right moves. Because as Maury said, on the other end, when you find yourself in a situation perhaps like he was, where you really have to rely on love because it's difficult. You want to make sure that that love and that respect uh, has been there all along. So we, those of you who are about to marry, we salute you. And those of you who are contemplating marriage, consider these things. Those of you who are already in a marriage and who have been listening to us and say, you know, I got all that. It's a great. And if you don't have all of it, well, you can work on some of it. But it, mm-hmm. is, it is a critical part of, um, of of life, I believe, and there's a reason that it's been around for so long. Uh, and even though it's taken a lot of knocks and taken a lot of hits and certainly been modified along the way, the idea of, of one person and, and another person building a life together in love and perhaps leading to family is, is still an absolutely critical part of life. And as Maury said, you're missing a lot if you don't take part in it. And he ought to know because, uh, you know, he had a chance to look back in his life in a very unique way. So we hope this was of some help. Uh, and we hope you enjoyed this podcast. We do this every Tuesday. And so we'll be back here next Tuesday with another edition of Tuesday People. Lisa, a few housekeeping notes. Yes. Don't forget, join our Facebook group, Growing Every Day. It's called Tuesday People. You can access it through Facebook at We Tuesday People, which is also the uh, handle for all of our socials at We Tuesday People. And we have our Tuesday People storyline, which you can call and leave messages for us, uh, topics that we may want to cover on the show that you might think would be something that you'd like to hear us talk about. Or if you just want to leave a message that we might play on the show one day, the number line for that is 248-621-4701, 248-621-4701. 
All right, everybody, until we see you next Tuesday, on behalf of Lisa Goitsch, this is Mitch Album. This is Tuesday People. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.